Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody welcome back to the locked on red wings podcast today is tuesday september 28th 2020 and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need go to rockauto.com right now and tell them that locked on sent you i am your host detroit sports writer and bianchi here today as always together in person well, not always in person, just in person for special occasions because social distancing. Uh, but I'm here today with longtime Red Mix fan Ethan Smith, my friend. How's it going, pal? Pretty good. We are on separate couches, so I guess we are still socially distancing. Uh, we didn't say we didn't hug each other when when you came in here, so. No, no. I kind of just uh, looked at you, said "What's up," and then we each kind of started doing our own thing. But we yeah. got uh, Game Six of the Stanley Cup Final on. The Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Unfortunately for the Red Wings, uh, they have much, much different things to worry about at this stage in the game. We're preparing for the draft, uh, and and that means that we are preparing for the draft here at the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We got a couple of draft profiles for you guys today, and they are profiles of guys who are probably not going to be available for the Red Wings at four. However, on the off chance that things get a little wonky, on the off chance that the consensus number three turns out to not be the consensus number three, well, then we have to do our due diligence and uh, profile Quentin Byfield and Tim Stutzla projected to go number two and number three overall. We'll kick this week off with those profiles. We'll have Pete Krupski on to talk about three more uh, USNTDP guys. Going to be looking at defenseman Tyler Clevin and centers Thomas Bordalo and Ty Smolanik who the Red Wings could very well target with one of their second or third round picks in the upcoming NHL draft. It's next Tuesday, folks. We got to get on with the profiles. And then Thursday, Ethan and I, once again, doing our due diligence, profiling Yaroslav Askarov, the Russian goaltender who nobody believes is going to go to the Red Wings at number four overall, like we've seen before. Steve's got a plan. And, and, and a lot of times it includes... Uh, selecting an option that you didn't think was on the table or you didn't think was a very good idea. So we will, uh, like I said, do our due diligence on that. Plus, we're going to take a look at Alexander Holtz, uh, another Swedish player. We profiled uh, Lucas Raymond a while back with Tony Ferrari, so go check that out. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of our draft profile episodes in a nice thread on our Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. Quick plug there. Uh, and then you'll be able to kind of just go through and, and listen to the episodes of the guys you like. We ask a lot of Red Wings specific questions. We ask about what they bring to the table. And today, Ethan and I are going to discuss those things about Quentin Byfield and Tim Stutzla. But uh, I just wanted to follow up real quick before we got into talking about those guys later on in the show about a rumor going around. Uh, this one started by Rear Admiral of the uh, Spit and Chicklets podcast and confirmed by Frank Saravelli of TSN. He said, sounds like there has been indeed been significant interest in teams trading for Tory Krug's rights. That was a report from Rear Admiral, uh, and he included the Red Wings in that list. I, th I believe it was Colorado 
Detroit, Vegas, Florida, and Vegas. Does that sound right? That, that is correct. That rounds out the four. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, a little bit of surprising news. Not only would they be interested in signing Tory Krug in free agency, but they'd also be giving up uh, or be interested in giving up what would likely be a late round pick just to get you know first negotiation rights with him. How much? How much do you think he's going to get? On the open market. Give me a number right now. Because they offered him 6.5 for six years. Correct. Now, do you think which, he's going to... Which, to be fair, let's and let's look at this. Because I brought it up on the other day on the podcast, or yesterday's episode. Jeff Petrie got 6.25 for four years at age 32. So really, no difference. It's going to be through the same age as kind of the market that the Bruins were trying to sign Krug for. Yes, um, but you're also looking at, I mean, that's a big jump up for Petrie. I know he's been above 40 points the last couple of years. He's a good two-way defenseman. Um, how much do you think Tory Krug's going to be asking for on the open market is the thing? Because he's going to be asking for a lot more than 6.5. Yeah, I would say I would say he probably ends up, if I were just to make a guess, I would say he probably ends up around $7 million a year. Really? Because like I think eight, eight to to like eight point five is what he would maybe get in a normal year, but this is not a normal year. And regardless of whether like okay, so you say oh why would he want to go to this team? Why would he want to go to that team? Like there's gonna be a limited amount of teams who are vying for him, and like Vegas is not gonna be able to offer the package to him that Detroit will. So he might still get paid, but he might have to take less money to go to contender. You know, this whole thing, you know, I didn't really believe it with, like, the um, cream of the crop free agent group here. But the more I'm seeing with these signings, the more I, I'm starting to understand that it might be a possibility. Mm, um, interesting. Yes. Um, I still think that it'll be somewhat of an overpayment on these guys just based off of how free agency works. Um, but... What do you think? I mean, if four teams, only four teams are in on Krug, how many people are going to be, how many teams are going to be in on Petrangelo? Well, I mean, it's not just four teams who are in on Krug. It's the four teams who, like, who were rumored to have given Boston a call and, and, and kicked the tires on possibly trading for his UFA rights. Okay. So, okay. I have no, I, like, and that's a fair point to make, too. Like, I have no idea. Like, there could be a lot more teams out there. But, like, I think at a certain point you're going to have to kind of pick and choose whether you want to win, whether you want to uh, get paid what you think you're worth. And I think Tory Krug believes uh, that he's worth a lot. I think I remember a quote from him saying, like, oh, I've been on myself uh, all, these, all, the, all these years and now it's my time to get paid. So he doesn't want to take a pay cut. He doesn't want to keep kicking that can further on down the road because, like you mentioned, he is 30. And uh, he'll he'll be in a position soon to where people won't want to want to give him the money. I just wonder if he's still going to be wanting to go for a cup, because I mean, if he does, it's a huge. Honestly, it's a big problem with him coming coming back home. Well, see, and here's my thought to it, and like we've yelled at each other about this a lot, and so I don't want to keep dragging it on, but like also, I mean, who says that in the negotiations? Like, there's not this air of confidence from Steve Eiserman that said, hey, if you come here, 
and help us build, then by 2023, I think we could be in a really good position to, to make some noise in the playoffs. <laughs> That's going to have to be one hell of a selling job. But I, I mean, don't think it's that unrealistic as well. No, it, it wouldn't be. But, I mean, if he could go somewhere else where he could be going for one right now when he's still in his, quote, prime. Yeah. Could be what he prefers. But, I mean, I, hey, if you want to bring him here, and if Steve wants to bring him here, who who am I to say He's if wrong. I <laughs> you. I could say. You I could say. Last week. I could say you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not gonna say if Steve's wrong. All right. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. So I mean, that's all we got on that. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. We'll bring the court, uh, Tory Krug chatter to a rest at least until maybe like next Wednesday or Thursday or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Free agency is about <laughs> to kick off. Or who knows? Maybe something. Uh, maybe something major happens here in the coming days. But I think my point overall, and like just to put this issue to bed is that I have come around on why I don't think it would be a bad signing. And so if that's what Steve Eisenman ends up doing, then I think I will understand and I can see a lot of positives in it. So if you're ready to be done with that, we can, uh, we can move on to profiling. Quinn yeah, let's wait until he gets traded to the team <laughs> like tomorrow or something. Uh, but first we got to talk to you guys real quick about rockauto.com. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You want engine control modules. You want brake pads. You want uh, window tints. They got it all. And right now, we're gearing up for wintertime. That means Christmas. That means all those silly little holidays. That means spending money straight up. And one of the ways that you can make sure that you got a little extra dough in your pockets come the holiday season is by saving money and repairing your car via Rock Auto. Dot com. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same exact auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you can go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck in a unique catalog that is mar- remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts or vehicle available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, and I know I've said it once, I've said it twice, I'll say it a thousand times before I let this podcast die. Little Monsters Inc. reference right there. Uh, The best part about rockauto.com is that their prices are always reliably low and the same for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Don't spend twice as much for the same auto parts that you can get at rockauto.com, and usually the ones at rockauto.com are better quality. So go there right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. All right, moving into the second segment of the day here, we are going to take a look. I said before the break that we're going to look at Quentin Byfield, but I think we're actually going to we're going to take a look at Tim Stutzla to start this off. So, like we mentioned, the consensus: one, two, three, Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla. This wasn't always like this. Stutzla, for much of the preseason and and early on, going into his draft year, was ranked as a as a mid rounder. Then he started creeping, he started creeping, and then eventually found himself in a position to where people are not only saying that he's a lock at number three, but that he might possibly overtake Quinton Byfield for that number two spot. Now, the thing is about that is that there's still a lot of volatility 
with the way that he's been ranked. Like elite prospects, for example, uh, we have their final cut draft guide. We're going to be using a lot of stuff from there today when we talk to you guys about it. But they have him ranked eighth overall on their big board. And they said that it wasn't necessarily because of anything that he did wrong, but more so because of the fact that the people in front of him had monster draft years. But I still think that at the end of the day, no matter what the reasoning is, I think that has to give you a little bit of pause when you think about whether or not this draft is for sure going one, two, three in the way we think it is. I really think that it's this draft year, especially without being able to have the combine, without being able to meet these people face-to-face. A lot of these teams can potentially get comfortable with a prospect. Colbert Fetty. And, you know... (laughs) Well, they, well, yeah, Detroit and Colbert yeah. uh, got real, yeah, 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 nice proximity, real oh, cozy. Yeah, okay. yeah, no um, borders closing. Right. Um, hey, want to grab lunch? Yeah, you know? right. I mean, you're right up the street. Yeah. Know? You like pizza? Uh, our way. Anything good in Saginaw? Colbert Fetty looks like he likes pizza. Colbert Fetty looks like a like a ketchup only type of guy, and I don't mean that in a bad <laughs> way, but he just does. What was I talking about? Um, oh, yeah. the <laughs> Really, with this draft class not having any of this combine, you can't meet anybody face-to-face. Everything's just over Zoom. And Eisenman just being that little sneaky guy behind the camera, muting it and everything. I love those. What a, uh, what a guy. Those. <laughs> Tampa Bay won nothing. Uh, yes. Sorry. I hate to interrupt it, cause, but I have to mention this. Like, the reports going around, like, from the, I think it was Cole Perfetti, who was like, yeah, uh, you know, he's in there, but he just kind of keeps his camera off and watches and doesn't say anything. And so he's like, Eiserman is in on all these draft uh, prospect interviews and he's just chilling. So do you, do you think that that's, I don't know if that would even necessarily rattle a kid. Like, I don't know if that would really bother me. Like, if he's not saying anything, it's just like, all right, well, I mean, it's, I guess I don't have to worry about him. Weird. It's like, it's not be necessarily, weird, right? like, rattled me, but it's just this fact of, like, to me, what it is is all the scouts are in a room, and they know that Steve Eisenman is behind the, uh, what are they called? Two-sided mirror. What a like, psycho. Like, that's creepy. <laughs> like, if you put it in, like, IRL context, like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let let's yeah, wait wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> I just want a picture. You're actually at like your meeting teams, and like Steve Eisman is just like in the Wizard of Oz behind. It. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And he'd just be like, ask him about how he did this year on on playing forward. And then he'd be like, <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> uh, so Tim Stutzla, uh, German center slash left wing. Uh, a lot of people have him listed as a center, but he's played mostly wing with Adler Mannheim. Uh, did get some experience at center during the World Junior Championship this past year, uh, but uh, elite prospects, and we'll get to it in just a little bit, seems to think that he probably uh, settles into a, a winger role in the NHL. Obviously, that's one of those wait-and-see things. They note that uh, Elias Pettersson uh, seemed to make the transition to center pretty well once he got over here. And while obviously the Red Wings could probably use a center more than they need a wing. It all just depends on what is going to help that player reach his ceiling the best, help the team reach the ceiling. Uh, but as far as this dude's game, I mean, he he really just has it all. He's an absolute treat to watch. The best way I can describe it is poetry in motion. He looks like a little water bug out there. He's explosive. He can weave in and out of space. 
What does a water bug look like, Nolan? How does it move? They're just like hovering above the water, and they're like, did you just like lots of quick movements? <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> just a good reference. Uh, TSN's Craig Button said he takes, uh, quote, Stutzla takes the game by the throat, and that's a good way to describe him. He can be a threat on the forecheck. He can take away space from defenders, but what he really does best is he comes down right at you. He puts the puck through your legs. He puts the puck through your stick, and then he goes in and either scores or creates a chance for a teammate. Uh, if his skating isn't the most beautiful thing about his game, it's definitely his hands. Uh, he can turn pretty much any one-on-two uh, at the blue line into a breakaway. He's just he, he's magic. He's a lot of what, like, he, he's a very different player from Pavel Datsuk, but just, you know, using my brain as somebody who, who watched him all those years, he kind of has the the here we go potential. How is he going to get around this guy? It's going to be you know something that is completely off the cuff, very run and gun, and just overall an exciting player to watch. Really, just the comparisons to Patrick Kane alone. I mean, yeah. it's not every day we hear players compared to Patrick Kane. Yeah, and like what you said about his water bug ability on the ice, it, it's really something that would excite what all the top four, five teams. I mean, there's no yeah. way he's fallen past four if he goes to us. But, I mean, nobody thought Zadina was going to fall to six That's true in that too. draft year, too. So, you guys don't know. Yeah, and uh, and one thing that I really do like about him is he, he has that experience playing in a men's league like Mo Sider did uh, in his draft year before Steve Eisman drafted him. They both played with Adler Mannheim, Stutzler finishing with seven goals, 27 assists, and 41 games played which to me is just a good sign when you can go to a men's league and produce at almost a point per game level i think that bodes well for uh your chances of succeeding over in north america and then also the fact that he comes from adler Mannheim, which steve eisman is you know obviously trusts that program uh probably knows him pretty well probably has somewhat of a good connection or beat on stutzla because of his relationship with cider yeah, Cider was really kind of talked him up in an article with the Detroit News. I remember, I mean, it was probably a couple months ago, saying how good of a kid he is and how bright of a future he's got. So um, he said that, he said he'd love to see him with that wing wheel on. Yeah, and that is something that uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's going to say good things about him, probably like he's his teammate and stuff like that. But uh, or at least in the national team. But also, it just kind of reminds me and I'm not saying that this situation happened I'm not saying it's going to happen but I remember when in, in the Russian five the book by Keith gave I think and I don't I'm paraphrasing a lot of this here but you know Jim Devolano asked Steve Eiserman what he remembered about Sergei Fedorov playing he said the, he's the best hockey player I've ever seen he said is he as good as you and he said like he's way better than I'll ever be and so like these conversations with general managers to players are happening when uh, they can have first-hand experience of playing with or against somebody. But this kid can score. This kid can pass. Uh, when you watch him play, and this is, this, is some, this is another analogy that I came up with. The water bug, that wasn't real creative. That's kind of a, I thought it was good. a standard term. But this is what I felt like watching Tim Stutzel play, right? It's like he's playing hockey with infrared glasses on, and he can see... Clear as day, every single barrier on the ice that might prevent him from getting around a defender, making a pass, getting a shot through a lane. It's just so impressive to watch. Oh, man, I love that. That's a, that's a nice little uh, 
You like that? Yeah. When'd you come up with that? I don't know. I should be a scout. Uh, he's a, <laughs> he's an elite playmaker because of his hockey sense. Like I said, a lot of it is run and gun, unpredictable. He looks like he has the puck on the string. And I got a quote here from the Elite Prospects Guide. So there isn't uh, much that Stutzla can do as a passer either. He'll work from range, through traffic, through layers. And whether there's pressure or space, he's getting that puck to his teammate. He's a technically gifted distributor of the puck with elite vision. Uh, and then he can also shoot the crap out of the puck, too. This is from the draftanalyst.com. Stutzel roofs the puck with regularity on either the forehand or the backhand, and he appears to understand the importance of puck positioning on his blade. If he rushes the shot, the accuracy remains, but he also has the wherewithal to outweigh an opponent before finishing uh, a playoff with a trick, pass, or shot. His wrist shot is deadly, specifically between the circles. Uh, and, I mean, he. There, there are very, very few downsides to this guy's game we'll get to one of them in just a minute but like i mean if you just watch him play go back and watch his uh highlights from this past season watch past tournaments that he's competed in for germany it's it there's an overwhelming amount of evidence that this guy is an absolute game breaker in so many different senses of the word yeah if you're gonna chance to draft a guy like that i mean Please pull the trigger, Stevie. <laughs> uh, the one reason for concern, uh, some sometimes he's a, a little bit guilty of handling the puck too much or trying to force the dangles, if you will. I mean, like if you watch him and he's coming out of the corner, he really has no fear trying to split two defenders, uh, you know, with his stick handling, trying to get a pass through a tight lane. Uh, but, but Elite Prospects has here where one might squibble with Stutzler's approach is the propensity to carve his marble slabs into nothingness, overhandling the puck on entries until he's lost it entirely. Sometimes discretion really is the better part of valor, and it's a lesson that Stutzla is very much in the process of learning. And then this note here from David St. Louis from the uh, Russia versus Germany game in the World Junior Championships this past December. He said the game featured a bit of everything that is wrong with Stutzla's game. He didn't get a, set up his dangles well. His feints lacked deception. He was locked in a certain pattern without reading if it was appropriate, considering the positioning and the feet of his defenders. So not great review on that front. And there are going to be there is going to be a, a learning curve. A lot of times when we talk about these guys, it's it's like it sounds like for sure bona fide NHL talent. And Stim, Tim Stutzla definitely fits that bill. But there are issues with this game that he'll have to work out. So you're saying there's a chance? There is a chance. Uh, however, Pierre Dorian, actually, we'll we'll, we'll update you on what uh, Ottawa Senators Jim Pierre Dorian said about the the Senators selection at number three on the other side of this break. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to the Locked On Red Wings podcast, a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. All right, and we are back here for segment three of the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We just finished up our profile of Tim Stutzla, and now it's time to get into Quinton Byfield, the consensus number two pick in the NHL draft. I don't know in what world the Red Wings end up with this guy, but uh, you got a pipe dream, and when you got a pipe dream, you got to do a draft profile. So let's get into it a little bit. I teased the Pierre Dorian thing heading into the last break. He said the other day, uh, I think everyone knows what we're going to do at three, depending on what L.A. does. It's no secret there. So what that tells me for sure is that they are taking either Stutzla or Byfield. 
Whether or not one of those guys will be gone remains to be seen. We think that one of them is going to go at number two to the Kings, but the, you just never know in the draft. Like, crazy things happen all the time. I wouldn't expect either of those guys to fall to four, but it sounds like the Senators are pretty dead set on uh, taking one of them with the third pick. Yeah, um, and, I mean, L.A. just needs so has so many desperate needs. But if I was, if I was Rob Blake, would you not look at the next Anze Kopitar in Quentin Byfield, six foot four, two hundred and twelve pounds? Yeah, and to that point as well, like this, this feels a lot like the 2015 draft in a lot of different ways, where Lafreniere is not nearly the player that Connor McDavid was coming out, but it kind of feels like, oh, that number one pick who's head and shoulders above the rest. But that number two pick, who was Jack Eichel in that year, is still the number one pick eight times, eight years out of ten. Even to like, even like the Taylor versus Tyler drafts, where like everybody basically knew Taylor Hall was going to go first. Yeah, there was still like that little. I mean, and maybe too, if uh, Byfield was maybe uh, closer to the same age as Lafreniere and had another year under his belt in the OHL, there'd be a bit of a difference, but. Quite frankly, that's not the reality that we're living in. Yeah, and he's been the consensus number two player in the draft for a long time for a lot of good reasons. Like he's he's an unbelievable hockey player. On top of the fact that he's six foot four, two hundred and fourteen pounds, play center, and is a late birthday. So there's always that little mystique of like you just mentioned, like what would happen if he was able to kind of play in the stage of his you know development that Lafreniere is. Uh, Toward the end, I, I felt like people were kind of starting to make the argument that he's worthy of getting selected first overall. While nobody really expects that to happen, I, I feel like he has also been creeped up on by Stutzla. So it's kind of a weird position to where a lot of people believe that he could be just as good, if not better, than Lafreniere. But still, like there's that question mark of will Stutzla go ahead of him. So it'll be interesting to see. How that works out. He's a 2018-19 CHL Rookie of the Year. Tied for fifth in the OHL in points per game in his last season at 1.82. He scored 32 goals and 50 assists. 82 points in 45 games for the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL last season. And I want to get into just a little bit more of how he uses his frame exactly. Because like we just mentioned, he's not only a gifted, gifted hockey player. Worthy of going number one overall in most drafts. But he's also a bona fide center where the Red Wings are extremely thin, where any team would love to have a player like him at the center position. Uh, and just the huge body, the 6'4", 214. The quote from uh, Elite Prospects here is, he's blessed with a six foot four frame, an explosive skating stride, and a set of hands so gifted as to make one wonder there was a career spent shaping sculptures in a previous lifetime. So, wow. so pretty, was that you? Was that you writing? For no, it? <laughs> no, it wasn't actually surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> but so high praise there uh, from elite prospects. And in a lot of ways, I feel like he's the exact opposite of Tim Stutzler about as far as you can get while still remaining a player of the same caliber. Like they've got the great hands. They've got the great shot. They've both got the great skating ability. But, like, Tim Stutzla plays 
hockey like he's not wearing skates sometimes. Like the way he's able to just go back and forward and left and right, that's pretty impressive. And Quentin Byfield's pretty light on his feet, but the way I would describe him, you ready for this one? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A semi-truck with turbo boosters. Wow. Because sometimes it looks like it's going to take him a second to get going, and then all of a sudden, boom, he hits the overdrive, and he's just absolutely gone. Like, there's just nothing anybody can do because he looks like a runaway freak. Like he's got, like, nitrous. I like the turbo boosters. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know Rock a lot about cars, so, yeah. <laughs> <Rock> <laughs> Uh, but Stutzla, you know, he's going to enter the zone and, and either try and go through your legs in some way, peel off, ISO a defender. Uh, but but Quentin Byfield is going to use his size, bruise his way to the slot where he lets off his absolute monster of a wrist shot. Uh, another note here from Elite Prospects, they say, where most skaters seek out space, Byfield carries the puck like a power running back in the NFL, uh, does a football headlong into traffic. Uh, Rachel Dory, an, AH, or an OHL scout, has rightly noted in her reports this propensity to play bumper cars rather than darting away like a drag car racer is a double-edged sword. Teams want players who can operate in the most hotly contested parts of the offensive zone, but that's usually a bonus and not the basis on which they operate. And quite frankly, if you're telling me that Byfield has hands like a hot knife through butter, Mm-hmm. And he can fly, like that is not a Michael Rasmussen big body frame. <laughs> like that that Why guy is that an up, Eric Lindros <laughs> type player. If that's where and there's with how much they're talking about how his ceiling could be so much higher. Him, yes, uh, Eric Lindros. My goodness. And he and he will still split the demon. Like don't let like he'll just do it in a different way. It looks like there's like a little force field around him where he's just unafraid because he can. Like, like you know when you play video games and you play, like, James Bond and you can get, like, the body armor? And so you're like, well, I have this body armor that I can use before I actually start, like, taking damage. Like, that's kind of how Quentin Byfield plays a game of hockey. Like, he's just like, go ahead, hit me, check me. It's it's all right. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get to where I need to be, and I'm going to take a lot less damage than, than I'm... James you know. Bond video game. Yeah. Some PS3. analogies today. PS3. <laughs> Uh, and that doesn't mean that he's opposed to peeling off and waiting to make the right play. One last thing here from Elite Prospects. It's a unique tick to Byfield's predominantly instinctual brand of hockey. He's not a player that thinks one or two steps ahead. Byfield plays at a pace, attacks with conviction, and has the processing power to react in real time where others might stall or lose possession. So just very high praise for Quentin Byfield. I do not think that you can go wrong with selecting this guy, whether it is at two or whether it is at three, or even if it was at one. Like, I I would be very surprised, but only because I didn't hear any rumors about it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised based on the caliber of player that he is. Right. I just, yeah, if if anything, I find it very hard to believe that Byfield would fall out of the top three. Yes, I agree. I think Stutzla is far more likely to fall out of the top three than Byfield. And Stutzla, I think, has the most falling power. Like, he has a kind of a Philip Zadina type player where like he's electric, he's got a great shot. I mean, it is a little bit different cuz Zadina's more of a power play type guy, but he's still like a game breaker who teams might just decide to pass on. Yep. So, it'll be interesting. I hope that this episode ends up being worth something and the Red Wings are either to take are able to take either uh Tim Slitzla or Quentin Byfield, but until October 6th, we 
will not know. We'll just have to keep crossing our fingers, saying our prayers, dotting our I's, crossing our T's. Eating your vitamins. Eating your vitamins, the Flintstones gummies, making sure you get a good built bar for breakfast in the morning, and then go to rockauto.com and shop for some auto parts. You just got to do all that until draft day. Follow us on Twitter. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe, and we'll have uh, spay and new to your pets. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, to uh, preview the USN TDP players uh, with Pete Krupski of USA Hockey. We've got Ty- Tyler Clevin, Ty Smolanik, and Thomas Bordalo. Be on the lookout for that. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team. Every day. <laughs>